everyone thanks for joining today i am speaking with helena and we're going to talk about her transitioning and dean transitioning and then speaking a bit about the ideology and where it's going and if we get a chance i'd like to maybe talk about a couple of laws in canada hey helena thanks for coming on thanks for having me yeah so like i've been following you for a little bit on twitter i think i started following you because of james Lindsay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then i saw some of your interviews with uh, benjamin voice now I've been kind of speaking out about this woke stuff, but I've been kind of focusing more on race. Like just recently I heard that I, I have brown complicity and white supremacy, so I got to work on that. I've read some of the, like the, the queer theory and the gender theories, and I just wanted to maybe like try to wrap my head around that. Like I, you know, I haven't even read like with like critical race theory or intersectionality. I've read lots and lots of books with the other stuff. It's like, you know, a few articles and a bits of like Butler and uh, Gail Rubin, things like that. So if you wouldn't mind, like, if, you know, give a little bit of brief, brief background to your stuff, uh, your story, and then uh, I'll post links to your interviews with Benjamin Boyce in the description. So if people want more of that, they can see that there. Sure. So I am 22 now, um, but around the time I was 15, I started, I got really involved in online social justice communities. And one of the major things in the community that I was in, specifically on Tumblr, was that gender identity ideology was a really big thing. Like if you look at the kind of intersectional pyramid hierarchy, the transgender umbrella typically is seen as kind of on the very top, like the most oppressed group out of all of them. Of course, it intersects with other identities, but there's something about gender and transgender people, and especially when you get into some of the more obscure stuff, like the non-binary, that's kind of the identities that are held to the utmost importance in these areas of the internet. Um, And so I was embroiled in these internet communities and eventually ended up identifying as non-binary. Um, and over the course of a couple years, my identification of non-binary um, transformed into an identification as a trans man. I started developing gender dysphoria or something that I call gender dysphoria. There's a lot of debate on actually what gender dysphoria is. Um, but, you know, I started really disliking my body, my female body. I started really hyper-focusing on, you know, this aesthetic of a boy that I wanted to become and I eventually ended up going on testosterone after my 18th birthday um, after about three years of identifying as trans and then I was on testosterone for 17 months took around a year and a half Um, and at that point I realized that it was a mistake that I was interpreting things very incorrectly Um, and so I stopped using the testosterone and after a couple months I dropped the entire trans ideology and that was in February of 2018. Like I said, I've read a little bit of this stuff. So you have the gender theory and you have the queer theory, but from where I'm seeing it, like a lot of the trans stuff, is it coming more from the queer theory or is it more from the gender theory? Like I kind of see it more from the queer theory or is that like with the queer theory, like of how breaking down norms, right? You know, like anything that's normative, right? Like breaking that stuff down and queering everything. That to me seems more like I understand gender theory. And if you want to you know, transition, you're going from one gender to another, then you're talking about the whole spectrum. But like, is it a mix of the two? Like, how does that, like, how, like, where, how do those two mix together or work together? So the broader trans community or gender ideology sphere is actually, um, it's a bunch of different things at once. It's influenced by a lot of different things. And one of those things is queer theory, but it's not quite the same. 
So there's different sub subsects of the trans community and like the gender ideology that they're going to believe slightly different things, but it's all going to be influenced by queer theory. Cause you'd mentioned intersectionality and that's, it's a couple of these things like with critical race theory, your identity is your skin color. I mean, identity is insanely important in both of them, but it's with trans, you can, you know, your identity is what you want it. Whereas with race, it's the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. And now apparently there's got some ideology attached to it as well. Cause if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you're not black, but I mean, mainly it's like, like how, like how do those, th- like, then then you have intersectionality, which is how you were oppressed. And then from what I read in queer theory, it's, it's the intersections of how you've oppressed other people, like how you've been more normative. So like, how do how do they like work those things out? So it's a little bit difficult because especially in the spaces that I was in, it was mostly like adolescent girls. So they're not going to have as sophisticated of a theory, um, either individually or collectively, as you might find on like a college campus, for example, where people are a little bit older. They're interacting with a lot more adults who are very well versed in theory. Um, But it's very different in these online spaces just because of the age of the most of the people who are on there. So you do have like intersectionality is very important. The way I like to kind of look at it is before I was able to before I began interpreting myself and my identity through the lens of queer theory and gender theory, I had to already be inducted into the broader worldview of intersectionality and social justice. So before I was in this worldview, I grew up uh, relatively conservative and in a Catholic school. So the first time I was introduced to transgender topics, I thought it was weird. I I just kind of didn't understand it. It didn't really affect me. I was just like, okay, that's weird. Why would you think you're the other gender? That's stupid. And I just kind of moved on. And me and my friends would laugh about it a little bit. Um, But it was only after I had spent about a year on Tumblr educating myself into social justice and intersectionality and these theories about race, theories about religion, theories about society, um, theories about LGBT. It was only after that point when I had a good, a decent foundation in that worldview that I was able to look at gender again and it didn't come off as weird and unappealing to me. It came off as like trans people were this mystical, um, oppressed, victim class that like at first I just really wanted to be a good ally but as I started interacting with more adolescent girls who were in this category of trans I started really relating to what they were saying like the way that they were interpreting their bodies just made a lot of sense to me they would say things like oh I used to think I used to hate my weight but then I realized that the only reason I thought I was fat is because of gender dysphoria and I actually was just hating the size of my hips because they were female hips and things like that things like that that were said Um, really um, hit home for me at the time and I started seeing it as a relatable way to interpret myself so it's kind of like both things you you need the intersectionality first but then there's there's like its own the gender stuff takes a life of its own okay yeah because I mean especially now with uh, you know all the BLM protests and all that I think it was yeah it was a BLM was it it was a trans pride flag with a blm fist like right in the middle of it and i was like yeah yeah that was just okay i laughed i was joking about it i'm like that's you know like having a fist right in the middle of the trans pride trans pride flag might be a little bit of a suggestive thing <laughs> but um yeah like I, 
I'm still trying to get my head around how all that stuff works. And I mean, I, sorry, like not when I say all that stuff, but trying like how they're mixing. Because at one point or another, you're going to come. They're going to come at odds with each other, right? Like how they look yeah. at entity, and it's uh, like I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. But like I still don't understand. Like I don't know. You said you went to Catholic school. Like there's a line from the Bible, and you also have something like that. It's something similar in, in Islam, where it's uh, I think it's uh, narrow is the way that leadeth into life. And then in Islam, you talk about this thing called the Sirat al-Mustaqim, which is a it's the narrow path and the straight path that leads you to salvation. Mm-hmm. And you have to walk on that. And it's the, like, it's the same idea from the Bible. It, to me, it just seems like that. It's like, you're walking one of these little tight ropes after another. And it's just, you know, you know, you might fall off one and hopefully you catch one beneath you, but it's, it's like, like I don't, I don't see how you can live day to day. Think like, do you, would you have to think like that, like twenty four seven, or is like how did that work? Yeah, I very much thought like that twenty four seven. And like I said, at first, I just kind of wanted to be like an ally. I just wanted to be a good person. I wanted to do the right thing. But over time, the more I got involved, and the more I got involved online, the less I got involved in real life. So I stopped having friends in the real world, except for maybe like two or three people that also use Tumblr. So ironically with my friends in real life, I interacted with them more online than I did in real life, even though I went to school with them. So like my life very much became completely centered around these communities online. And those communities are almost entirely built on this ideology. So it seriously became something that I thought about every single day, all day. And like, okay, so you're, you're on there when you're like, you know, you're still in your teens, you're getting on there. Like if you like, because I've read some of the stuff, and you read it, and it's like you know, you know, if they don't agree with it, don't talk to people. You know, basically, it it is very cult. Like, don't you know, if anyone disagrees with you, don't talk to them. If anyone, you know, uh, I mean, like I know from like my family, like some of them are you know stricter in, in Islam than my family was, and you know, don't have non-Muslim friends. Like it's it's everything's very very secluded. Like, so if you're younger, I mean that's. To me, that's just indoctrination. I mean, it's, you know, people freak out about things like Jesus camp. Yeah. But you hear about this coming into your school <clears throat> into like, you know, and, you know, and here's where the problem is. There shouldn't be an issue with teaching kids about, you know, like having sex ed and having that as part of the, that curriculum. And, but just for, you know, indoctrinating kids in that, again, I think that's where the fine line comes in. Like, was it like that on like when you were when you're looking at online like were you reminded not to speak to anyone else or were there were there things forbidden or like how did that work absolutely people kind of looked at it as um you know it's not about not wanting to be friends with people you disagree with it's about cutting people out of your life who don't think that groups of minorities deserve human rights that's how they looked at it that if someone disagrees with you about a social justice issue it's not just a disagreement. It's that they literally want people to die. Like they want black people to die. They want trans people to die. And that's how it's looked at. And that's like, that's really the kind of way that I I looked at the world and I looked at other people. And it's especially insidious when it comes to family relationships. So a really big thing that was going on in these spaces was people would be posting, you know, um, 
if you tell your parents that you're trans and they respond in any way besides this script that I'm giving you right here, that means that they don't love you, that they're transphobic and that they would rather, you know, the classic saying is have a dead daughter than a living son. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's something that I, I really believed. And then you see these kinds of things. And a lot of the times kids are already having, you know, like a, a little bit of a chaotic time with their parents because who doesn't when they're a teenager. And so you're taught that like, if your parents are skeptical or hesitant or disagree with or get upset about your trans identity and your desire to transition, that that means that they're no longer worth talking to. You need to cut them out. They're abusive. They're transphobic. They want you to kill yourself. And I very much took on that mindset and it actually resulted in me not talking to either of my parents for over six months after I turned 18. And so there's a very cultic atmosphere where it's like, oh, if your parents make you upset in any way by disagreeing with your politics or by disagreeing with your identity, you need to cut them out and will be your new family, like the queer family. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think I, I hate the fact that you have to do this. It's we're not talking about trans people. We're talking about a very limited set of people who think a certain way. Like it's not, you know, like I, like someone like Buck Angel, you know, like where more power. Like I, I don't care. You know, like I, I have a friend of mine I've met online, and you know she's transitioned to a woman. Good for her. Like, but it, like this specific ideology, which is. Like to me, that's like this is the scary thing is because it's cult like, and because you can't question it, and then now it's being taught to kids. That's where I'm, I'm getting a little worried, because, you know, whatever you're a little boy and you want to dress up as Mulan for Halloween, it shouldn't be a sign that you want to be a girl, or you're a little girl and you want to, oh, you're you want to dress up as a Lone Ranger, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like mm -hmm. I don't know where like because. Like, okay, you know, I'm 50, so, like, like when I was a kid, you already started seeing it, like, especially, like, when I was in my teens. It doesn't matter if a little girl played with a truck, mm -hmm. didn't, you know, or a little, it, it shouldn't matter. But now, all of a sudden, they're saying, if you have a son and he starts doing this, then it must be a girl. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a girl and she starts doing that, like, where did it get from, it shouldn't matter, there shouldn't be any differences obviously there's physical differences there's things like that you know like but there's what the child decides to do okay well that's you're a boy and you're a boy like that or you're a girl and you're a girl like that and as they get older if they you know when you're an adult and you're actually this is uncomfortable you want to transition everything like again more power to you do but i have the issue when it comes to kids like i yeah me too know, um i mean you were doing some work with the D-Trans stuff on Reddit, and I know that that was one of, like, the 2,500 subreddits they took down. Like, well, they, they let it go back up. They took it down for a brief period of time, but then they put it back up. Okay, that's good at least. But, I mean, like, that kind of idea, though, why would you... Okay, so you started transitioning, you stopped, and then, you know, you said, okay, I'm done with this. Why is that a bad thing? Like, I thought it was like, yo, you're trying to be true to yourself. And if that's, if you decided that's how you are, like, you know, like, like you said, oh, you're, you're killing black people. You're destroying the trans identity. I mean, the, the weirdest one I heard was fixing hearing losses, killing the deaf identity. Yeah. You know, like, 
so like why why is there such an opposition to anyone who has stopped their transition or is detransitioning back um you know there's a couple reasons one reason is a lot of them will say that like a lot of trans activists will say that they don't have a problem with detransitioners as long as detransitioners don't change ideologically so they say that they're okay if you physically stop the process of transitioning and you go back to living as your birth sex but if your thoughts and opinions on gender identity change and you become critical of the way that you used to think that's when they have a problem and so that's kind of the excuse that they use to censor detransitioners like for example with the thing on reddit um, their claim is that we are becoming TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, um, and that, you know, we're using our personal experiences to start a hate movement against trans people. So there's that, there's like the ideological disagreement. And then there's also a psychological reason. And I remember when I was trans identified, whenever I would have a friend who started questioning their trans identity and thinking that maybe they would want to detransition or they didn't want to identify as trans anymore, I would get extremely upset because I felt like it was a personal betrayal. And I would just, I would feel like they were leaving me. And there's kind of this, there's kind of an atmosphere of misery loves company in a lot of these spaces where these are a lot of people who are coping with very real problems. A lot of them have, you know, childhood issues, histories of abuse, histories of mental illness, depression, low self-esteem, body image issues, eating disorders. Like they're coping with very real things. They're just funneling it all into this paradigm of transgender identity and when you have a community that's based in coping with very painful experiences by adopting this way of looking at yourself, and then someone is able to step outside of that and maybe heal a little bit and start thinking about themselves differently, um, start progressing in their life, start growing, there's a sense that you don't want them to do that because you're still left behind. And so I think that's a big reason why there are some trans-identified people who get very upset with detransitioners because it's almost like they can see someone growing and someone moving on, but they don't feel like they can do that for themselves because they're so reliant on using the trans identity to cope with whatever they're struggling with internally. Okay. So, I mean, like that, that part of it there, it's, uh, there's a lot of it, like there's a lot of similarities, uh, again, with leaving Islam now, starting in the early 2000s, right after 9-11, you had a few people, you had like Ayan Hirsi coming out, um, you had uh, Majid Nawaz a f few years later talking about reform and things like that. Yeah. And the attacks they would get, you know, oh, you're doing it because you're you're getting money from, well, getting money from the Jews, getting money from the West, you're, you're yeah. doing all this. Uh, if it was women, it's be it's because you want to, you know, you want to fuck white men, you you know, you want to sleep with a kufar, you're sinful, this and that. And then around the race thing, I see the same thing. Mm -hmm. I see, you know, someone like Coleman Hughes or, um, you know, uh, like a Candace Owens. I, 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 I pick her because I really do not like Candace. <laughs> I don't think she's a good person. Uh, but I don't want, like, she gets attacked in the worst way and she'll get, like, rape threats and stuff. And I... I, I you know, a friend of mine, she's an ex-Muslim, and she, 
was questioning BLM as a group, not as a state, like not Black Lives Matter as a statement, but as the organization themselves. And, oh, you're just doing it because you want white dick. And then, I mean, I saw the other side from racists who said, oh, yeah, you're just supporting BLM because you want to, you know, you want to fuck black guys. And it's the thing with the turfs, all that, like you, you know, saw it against uh, Julie Bendel in the UK when she started speaking out against the grooming gangs, you know, yeah. or Camille Paglia, um, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, I think she's Canadian, Megan Markle or something like that. She, Megan Murphy. Yeah, that, that's yeah. I mean, I might not agree with them. I might, I might completely disagree with them. But like, why does it? For a movement that's all about love and acceptance, like the minute someone says something different, it's like the most vicious attacks I could, I've ever seen. Like I've, I've faced more racism from so-called progressives than I have from actual, you know good old boys or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about it being about acceptance and tolerance and authenticity, especially in the trans community, like it's all a facade underneath it. There's so much dysfunction and there's so much vitriol and there's so much control and authoritarianism. It, it's, it's almost a joke that they brand themselves as being so for openness and acceptance and tolerance and for living your truth when it couldn't be further from the opposite. For most people, again, we're not talking about, you know, like the, the occasional person who, you know, has gender dysphoria and they choose to transition. We're not talking about those people. We're talking about the community that is based in ideology. Because you, you brought up gender dysphoria a couple of times. What's the, why is there a taboo around that? Why is the term even kind of like taboo? It's like, you know, because... I mean, is it cause, because you're equating it to a mental illness? I mean, I, I don't even think you should call it an illness. Like, but, but I mean, like, like I, I don't get the taboo around using that kind of terms or like, you know, being fearful of biology and stuff like that. Like, again, like, that reminds me a lot of the Christian stuff, the, you know, the intelligent design and all that. Because biology and the term gender dysphoria, which I don't wholeheartedly support either, but at least biology and the term gender dysphoria, they are somewhat based in the kind of mainstream normal worldview. Like it's a way of looking at people who transition and trying to kind of figure out why, like are they doing that because they have gender dysphoria? Um, whereas the ideology has a completely different worldview about humanity. Like they don't, they don't agree with gender dysphoria as a concept because they think that gender identity is the reason that you transition, not gender dysphoria. They think that everyone has this like essence within them that is their gender identity and your gender identity is influenced by your relationship to the socially constructed roles that we attach to this concept called gender. It's very heady, like it's very separated from anything tangible. And that navigating this realm of gender identity is why someone might make the choice to go on testosterone or stop testosterone or dress a certain way or look a certain way or speak a certain way or act a certain way. It's all like this individual subjective relationship to this idea of gender identity. So by reinforcing the concept of gender dysphoria, you you're not fitting in with the worldview of gender identity. You're still saying that there might be a psychological reason, an abnormal reason why somebody would transition. When the way that they see it is that everybody has a gender identity. Some people aren't woken up to it yet. So like you have a gender identity and you know, your mom has a gender identity and your dad has a gender identity. Like all these people have gender identities 
And the reason that you don't know you have a gender identity is because you are still brainwashed by the cis-normative societal messages. But if you were only to be enlightened, then you might actually identify as a demi-boy as opposed to a male. So they, they see it in this very cerebral way that goes in line with their ideology about how you know the human mind works and how society works. Whereas biology and gender dysphoria, those are still attached to kind of the physical realm. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, no, no, it's, like I said, it's, some of it's just really hard to wrap your head around. I mean, yeah. like, okay, I'm concerned about a lot of this stuff, especially, you know, people are in the States, people are like, oh, well, uh, vote Trump because he won't have this in. And it's like, well, take a look at your Pentagon, take a look at a few other places yeah. that are using critical race theory. Like, no, yeah. it's Trump's not stopping anything. But, okay, I've got Justin Trudeau as my leader. So, like, you know, the woke poster boy. Yeah. Now, like, I was, like, I, I don't want to expect you to know anything about Canadian law, but I just want to touch on them a little bit. One of them is Bill C-16. That's the one that... Um, Bought Jordan Peterson to fame, right? And that's also the one. That's the reason why Yaniv could ask to get like her balls shaved. <laughs> and now, the whole thing is focused on identity. Yes. And uh, okay, like definition of an identifiable group. You know, it's gender identity or expression. I mean, like they're bringing gender theory and queer theory into government. Like yeah. they, they've brought dogma into government. Like, I don't know if you know anything about the law or anything like that. or if... I know the very basics. I know basically just from watching Jordan Peterson. Okay. I know what he's explained about it. Yeah, I mean, okay. Now, he got into the free speech aspect of it, and I agree with that. But it was, it was to make the identity... You decide what your gender identity is. Yeah. And so it makes how you identify it key now we had some we had a couple of things that came out of this uh ontario they passed a law and everyone's like oh no they're not taking your kids away but technically state can come in if you deny your child the right to express the identity they want the state can take your child away or the province can take your child away yeah uh, the most egregious one i heard about this was an autistic kid who was about six or seven years old he'd gone to a new school walked into the wrong washroom, came out, and there was yep. a school administrator there who said, oh, well, have you told your parents that, you know, you're a girl now? And he said something along the lines, why would I do that? You know, my parents wouldn't like that. And the kid was autistic. Yeah. Child services took him away for three days until his parents could sort it all out. So wow. Now you've got that law in there. Then you've got another one that they just passed, which on the surface of it, it sounds good. It's a it's to stop conversion therapy. Yeah. But now it's stopping people from, so if a child says, you know, I was born a girl, I want to be a boy, or I was born a boy, I want to be a girl, or whatever. I, I want to be non-binary, I want to be, you know, gender fluid. Like, you can't stop it. And if yeah. you if you take them to a psychologist or a, a therapist who gives them some advice the other way, like, are you opening up yourself for a lawsuit? Like, like I, I don't know if you like how much you see that with that online, like you know, gearing towards kids and stuff like that. Like that's the stuff that scares me. Like I said, adults do whatever the hell you want. You know, like I, I don't want to. I'm not going to get in the way of whatever an adult wants to do. But like when it comes to the little kids, that really freaks me out. Yeah, it's very manipulative because obviously conversion therapy for 
sexuality has been a thing. I'm not sure how much of a thing it is right now in the present, but I know that it has been a real concern for people. And I personally know people who have actually been through it. So I know that it's real, but they're using the fear and natural moral repulsion that people have against that specifically. And they're kind of wedging in the gender identity stuff into that when really it's not the same at all. Because what we know from science is that sexuality is in many ways innate. Obviously, there's not a total consensus that it is 100% innate. There is evidence that it can be socially or environmentally influenced as well. But we know from history and science that you can't just change someone's sexuality like that. But gender identity isn't the same thing. There's no science to show that gender identity exists. There's no science to show that once someone identifies as trans, that is some kind of reflection of an innate quality of themselves. There are people with gender dysphoria, and we can argue and debate over what that is and what causes that, but gender dysphoria, the discomfort with your sex, is not the same thing as having a trans identity. Someone can have uh, discomfort with their sex without identifying with the worldview of gender identity. And so when you compare trans identity to sexuality, they're really not the same at all because gender identity is completely ideological. And this idea that helping someone work through their thoughts about gender and sex is the same thing as trying to change someone's physiological sexuality, it's just not equatable at all. And it's really dangerous that they have convinced people that it actually is the same, that they've used the noble fight to you know, end harm against gay people to harm, ironically, a lot of young gay kids who are, you know, not conforming with the gender roles that you would typically expect and might get confused or might develop gender dysphoria. Like you're not allowed to help those gay kids. A lot of them are gay, not all, um, in the name of basically this ideological capture of a movement to protect gay people yeah and i mean okay then you see the stuff on online as well like especially on twitter um you know if it's a gay man who doesn't want to sleep with you know someone who identifies as a trans male but hasn't done anything about it and like oh well i don't want to sleep with them like they're transphobic all of a sudden i mean and the worst again is towards lesbians i'll say it like you know like suck my lady dick and, and shit like that and it's just like really do you have to go there like you know and it's i mean or you'll learn to like it. If that's not conversion therapy, I don't know what is. Like, oh, you'll learn to like it. You know, yeah. you know like that, that's, that's what they're pushing. And it's just, you know, I think some of the stuff you do have to tread a little lightly, you know, female only spaces. You know, I don't think a trans woman should be allowed into female shelters, especially like if they're sexual assault, assault shelters. Like maybe you need to open up a, a separate one for trans women or something. Like, I, I don't know. And then how do you get around if you open up one for trans women and then there's someone who's doing it maliciously, like how do you get around that as well? Like, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, and then you hear the cases. I mean, I know it's not a lot, but it's, it's a guy who's raped that he does not identify as trans and gets put in a female prison. Mm-hmm. You know, again, like you're setting up for a lot of lawsuits. You're setting up for a lot of problems and like, forget the lawsuits. You're setting up for people to get hurt. Like, first yeah. of all, and then on the side of the state, like if you want to look at it that way, you're, you're going to cause yourself a lot of problems. Yeah, the damage that's going to come from this entire movement is like on on from so many different angles. The damage is going to be incredible. 
like I think about it like the I don't know if you remember or if you've ever well, you're probably too young uh, but if you heard anything about it like the it was especially in a lot of nursery schools and like daycares they were like oh de- devil worshiping and devil possession and they were like they were like repressed memories and these kids were coming up with these fake repressed memories like yeah. it sounds a lot like that like oh you this is your gender identity you don't know it yeah. and it's like you're coaching kids like like I said again what if your son or daughter is you know gay or lesbian yeah like, you know, again let them explore like I said if your son wants to wear dresses to school let your son wear dresses to school and if you're if your daughter wants to be a tomboy let your daughter want to be a tomboy I don't I don't know where that we got away from that there is an interesting phenomenon uh where there's been a couple of cases of um trans kids so like very young kids under the age of 10 usually it's boys that this happens to young boys and there's one specific example that i can point you to but there's also are you familiar with fourth wave now no okay follow i'll send you um her account on twitter she's a personal friend of mine she is the mom of one of my friends who is detransitioned mm-hmm. and while my friend was identifying as trans she started this blog to basically talk about all these issues and she's kind of one of the central hubs for getting information about this trans issue especially when it comes to adolescents and children so you should put her in the description and i will send you her twitter mm-hmm. but um so fourth wave now has been documenting for years now Facebook groups for parents of trans kids. Like she'll either have informants who manage to get into the groups because they're very secretive. They don't want you to know what's going on inside these groups, Um, but she'll get informants and they will send her screenshots and posts and stuff like that. And she'll post them on Twitter just so people can see what is really going on in the minds of parents who transition their kids. And it's very interesting because there are a lot of parents who before they decided that they're usually a young boy was transgender, they were very religious, very conservative, very like extreme sticklers on gender roles and openly homophobic. And they will talk about how as their child was growing up and their son was developing an interest in feminine uh, hobbies, feminine appearance, that they were so petrified that their son was gonna grow up to be gay, but thankfully they found out that their son is transgender, their son's actually a girl. So it seems like there's a little bit of a motivation for some of these families to choose the route of having this transgender kid who you need to fix, who you need to take to doctors, who you need to take to get changed, who you can parade around, who you can be celebrated for, who you can kind of like get attention and victimhood status for being the parent of, as opposed to raising a healthy gay boy and one of the 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 actual example that i can give you there's a new netflix show i forget what it's called but it was causing a bit of outrage on twitter um a couple weeks ago it's about this like trans girl named like bailey or something like Mm -hmm. that and the actor who plays the child the trans child is a trans kid himself it's a male to female but i will use male pronouns because i feel like that's respectful Um, It is a male child around the age of 10-ish. And the mother of this child gave an interview where she talked about how she used to be like a conservative Christian homophobe. And as her son, as Bailey was growing up, 
she was petrified. Her and her husband were, would cry in despair over the thought that their son was going to grow up to be gay. But then they figured out that Bailey's actually a trans girl and they renounced their Christianity and they became dogmatically religious in the progressive transgender ideology. God. Okay. Like that's okay. I, I'm sh- maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't, but uh, I mean, I got really disgusted when code pink and pink news celebrated this a few times, but it was, like Iran does that, and now Pakistan started as well. If yeah. you're caught as a gay person, you know, if you're gay or lesbian, you're caught. They'll pay for your transition therapy because that way, yeah. or your surgery because that way, at least one of the, then you're a couple and you're a straight couple now. Mm-hmm. And then like Pink News and Code Pink were like, oh, look at them, they're so they're so progressive. It's like they throw gays off the top of buildings for Christ's sakes. And, yeah. You know, like it, but like when you tell me this about the religious stuff in the in the states, like. Like that's because okay, if you're gonna renounce your faith, why not renounce your faith with a gay son or a lesbian daughter? I mean, you're already renouncing your community anyways. Why like Because okay, they're switching it for a new religion. Yeah. I mean I I okay, and again I see that with like I'm not really active uh I, I was a bit um for a few years like with like ex Muslims and stuff, but I see it with young ex-Muslims. It's, you know, this stuff, like, especially like the critical race theory or the intersectional feminism, it's, it's so against everything that Islam was, right? Okay, it's smash the patriarchy, you know, no more misogyny, uh, you know, no more racism, this and that. So they take that on. Like, they haven't given up that rigid mindset. They've just gone from one dogma to another. Yeah. And it's... I don't know. I, 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 like, I don't know if, like, like I said, I'm probably the same with like a lot of other young religious people. Like they're going into that. I think atheism plus kind of screwed the, the atheism movement over with that too. Yeah. yeah but yeah. No, but I, okay. So like the, like, like, is she also doing any stuff on like things like puberty blockers and stuff like that? Cause again, I mean, you see some of the stuff where they say, oh yeah, kids can take puberty blockers and if they change their mind, then they can, you know, get off them and everything will be fine again. And it's no, it won't. Who? Who do you? Who do you mean by she? Uh, the the fourth wave now. Uh, yes, she. yes. So she is like similarly to me. She does not support puberty blockers at all. Like that's my stance. I will mm-hmm. die on that hill. Puberty blockers are bad. They are harmful. No child should be given puberty blockers. Um, but she has like there's a lot of information on her website about puberty blockers. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend anyone who's interested in going down the rabbit hole because this really is a rabbit hole and a lot of people don't understand how deep it goes to seriously check out fourthwavenow.com. Look, I don't want to keep you too, too long. I, If you got anything else you want to talk about or like if you want to go in a little bit more into the, like some of, some of the gender stuff or um, like anything you're working on or anything people can check out, like if your parents are concerned, like where they can go or... Yeah, so parents, um, check out uh, Sasha Ayad, S-A-S-H-A, and then her last name is Ayad, A-Y-A-D. She has a YouTube channel specifically for parents. She is brilliant in helping parents navigate um, really anything to do with their child and gender identity. Um, So definitely check her out. I also am doing a very casual little advice column. So if you go to my Twitter, in my bio, there is a link 
Um, and if you are a parent who is going through this with your child, you can send me an email and I will respond at some point with my advice to you. Um, and then also fourth wave now is a really good resource. Uh, yeah, those would be my top three recommendations. All right. Well, um, again, thanks a lot. And you know, I'll, uh, I'll post all your, where people can get a hold of you. I'll post all this in the description and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for having me.